Watson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I'm not falling for it. I'm not falling for any of it. Listening to other sports shows today, reading, trying to take in as much as I could after yesterday's 34-20 Green Bay Packers win over the Atlanta Falcons at Lambeau Field. I'm not falling for any of it. (laughs) And I'll tell you exactly what I mean here coming up in a few minutes. I was actually able to be at Lambeau yesterday for the game. I don't get over there very often. Uh, Last time I was there was in 2016 during that run the table stretch where they just took it. To the Seattle Seahawks, I believe they picked Russell Wilson off something like five times in that game. Had a fumble recovery or two as well. I mean, it was a beatdown. So I'm three and zero in my lifetime. Uh, so if you need a Packers win, just just shoot me a text, shoot me a little money, and I'll be happy to go over to Lambeau and make make it happen for you. Is now I am a 100 uh, winning percentage when I'm at Lambeau Field to watch the Green Bay Packers. So uh, that's pretty cool. I got to see a couple different things yesterday. Watch from a little bit different angle at Lambeau Field as the Packers. They, they looked better. That execution was better. I don't know if there were a lot of major differences. And when I say I'm not falling for any of it, I'm talking about a couple of different things. So let's get into that. Number one, I tuned into Bill Michaels today at 10 o'clock. Man, I was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I know it's not that early, but I was ready. I was ready to tune in. Not because I wanted to call into Bill's show or I wanted to be a part of it. I just wanted to hear what he was saying, right? So much of the prep that I do for this show is listening to what other people have to say throughout the day. And I kind of think, hmm. Do I like, you know, does that, does that make sense? You know, do I, do I agree with that? Do I disagree? And that's a lot of times how I, how I prepare for this show is that's not cheating. Is it, you know, listen to Dave and Scrady in the morning say, Hey, I kind of like that. Maybe I could play. We could do a segment, something like that. You know, I'm not stealing, but I'm just getting ideas. And I tuned into Bill's show and the first thing they started talking about and Joe, I love Joe to death. I've had him on the show, radio Joe. And he, I, I think if you listen to any amount of the Bill Michaels show that you'll know he is a realist. Uh, a borderline pessimist about sports sometimes. He's like, this team is done. They're not going to the playoffs. I, it's over. And, and Bill's like, oh, yeah, you know, done club or not done club. I hate the done club. Why do we got to talk about it? Who cares? Packers are 5-7-1. and one. They got a feel-good win yesterday with Joe Philbin, a guy who everybody seems to love. He seems to be a great man. The Packers got back on track of, you know, some type. They got to win at Lambeau. Let's enjoy it. Let's talk about it. Let's not waste time saying, are, the, are you in the Dunn Club? Are you not in the Dunn Club? You know, is this season over? Do you want them to lose? Stop, 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 stop. It's a waste of time. Stupid Dunn Club. I hate that. Bill Michaels Show loves that. I hate it. We will never, I will never ask you as listeners here on the Wisco Sports Show. Uh, I will never ask you, is the team done? Are you out? Because if you're out, what's the point? If you believe the Packers to be in the Dunn Club, why, why do you watch the games? Why are you tuning in here to the Wisco Sports Show every day from 5 to 6 on WKTY? Why do you care? So we're not, we're not getting into that today. I'm not falling for that. Not falling into that trap. Number two thing I'm not falling for is this whole honeymoon period that now just because Joe Philbin has stepped in that he is the answer to all the problems. He's the key to every lock. And now all of a sudden this Packers team is going to go on some magical run, just squeak into the playoffs, win a bunch of games on their own, go to the Super Bowl. I'm not, I'm not falling for it. I fell for it last year when they fired Jason Kidd with the Bucs and Joe Prunty came in and I'm watching press conferences and I'm watching him on the sideline and I'm trying to pick out differences. You know, what's different from Joe Prunty and Jason Kidd? I'm not, I'm not falling for it. I think there's going to be a little bit of a honeymoon period. I think the players are going to want to go out and play for Joe. 
a guy who's given a lot to this Packers organization, whether or not he has been here. You think back to 2011 and 2012, the death of his son, you know, coached through that. He, he seems to be a man of the highest character. That's what everybody says. I don't know. I've never met the guy. That's what I hear. Not pretending to be some kind of insider. But I've heard that from a lot of people, that Joe Philbin is an incredible man. And it doesn't surprise me at all that the Packers want to go out and execute for him. Aaron Rodgers, willing to run out of the pocket, maybe take a shot or two yesterday. And we'll talk about all those details coming up here in a few minutes. I'm not falling into it. I, I, I think there's a honeymoon period, and I think the next few weeks are going to be very telling. That being said, yesterday's win was awesome, wasn't it, Packers fan? I mean, who cares if they're going to make the playoffs or not? If we make it through a couple of weeks and some things start to fall into place, well, we can talk about it. I'm more than happy to. But right now, it's we have four games, three or four games left, three games left. The playoff chances sit between 5 and 10%. Who cares? We had a fun win yesterday, and that's why we're watching, right? It's entertainment. It's because we're fans of the team. So I'm not talking about whether they're alive or dead in the playoff race. I'm not falling into the trap of every problem is cured. Everything is rainbows and butterflies and sunshine, and now all the Packers are going to get together in the locker room and love each other and play slap and tickle because everybody's so happy with Joe Philbin, and it's magical, and and they're never going to lose again. I'm not, not falling into that either. I just want to talk about yesterday's game. Can we just, it's a Monday, let's react to yesterday's game. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line, is open uh, for you to reach me all show long. I would love to have some conversations about yesterday's game. A call or a tweet either will do, or a call or a text, excuse me, but you can tweet as well, at WKTY, simple enough to find on Twitter. And you can tweet at me as well, at Keystroker Grant, uh, and shoot me a tweet. I'd love to talk about it on the air as well. So that's that's what today's show is. I don't want to get into the Dunn Club. Are, are you in or out on this Packers team? Because We're watching the games. Who cares if they're in the playoffs, if they're out of the playoffs? There's Ask the Browns. They haven't made the playoffs in, I don't know how many years. Not in my lifetime that I can remember. I'm only 20. Who cares? Let's, let's enjoy some football. Let's talk about some X's and O's. What went well yesterday? What were some differences that you saw from Mike McCarthy to Joe Philbin? I wrote down a couple. I put a mental note of a couple yesterday when I was at Lambeau, including the, the challenges. Apparently, Joe Philbin will not let any officiating on justice go by the wayside because he burned both his challenges in about the first minute and a half. And if you've ever been to a Packer game, you know that you don't exactly get every detail. You don't exactly see everything crystal clear like you would if you were watching on TV, right? So yesterday, Joe Philbin throws the challenge flag, and, and I'm referring to the first one, uh, the Julio Jones catch uh, that in my... I'm going to come out and say it. I didn't think it was a catch. I, I thought it was close. I just didn't think he had it long enough uh, for it to be called a catch. And when it was overturned, it's funny because I was, I was at the game yesterday with uh, WIZM's Drew Kelly, does a tremendous play-by-play for UWL and high school sports and, and a couple UWL games that I've been lucky to be a part of as well. We were at the game yesterday and I looked at Drew and I said, Drew, I have no clue if, if this is the right call or the wrong call or what it is because we're watching on the video board, right? It's sunny outside, there's glare. It's just tough to tell. I said, Drew, I don't know what the correct call is here, but if they don't, over, if they don't overturn it, if the Packers don't win the challenge, I'm going to get up and I'm going to boo my ass off. I'm going to boo. And that's what you do, right, as a fan? You just boo. You don't know if it was the right call, but you're going to boo. You're going to let the refs have it. And it was much of the same a couple of plays later when Joe Philbin threw his second and final challenge flag. At a guy, Joe. Don't let the refs give you any crap for being an interim head coach. You hold him out there. And unfortunately, he lost both challenges. And uh, we can slide by it now as a funny footnote in the, the short coaching career so far of one Joe Philbin for the Green Bay Packers. I did think that was funny, and, and he joked about it in his press conference, saying, hey, I had enough to focus on. Let's just get the challenges out of the way. So it's something I don't have to worry about the rest of the game. I thought that was a good way to handle it, and I thought it was funny. Officiating yesterday, uh, uh, 
it was frustrating. I, I've kind of got onto this thing, and if you follow me on Twitter at Keystroker Grant, this is another one of my big takeaways from yesterday. I've just been on this this angry streak of pointing out every roughing the passer call that would have been called at the beginning of the year, uh, and is just being completely ignored now. <laughs> uh, and if you've listened to the show for any duration of this NFL football season, you will know that I am one hundred percent of the belief that the Packers were robbed of a win against the Vikings because of the officials. I'm not, I I never say that 100% the officials were a reason that the Packers lost that game. That was one. The fail Mary in 2012, that was one. And the Vikings game, week two of this year was one. And it's so frustrating for me to watch. Aaron Rodgers took a smack to the helmet and a face mask in one play. And it just was ignored yesterday. And then, of course, a couple of plays later, because the referees weren't willing to to actually get control and kind of calm things down by means of a roughing the passer, there's a huge fight that breaks out on the field. Nothing will get a bunch of drunk, cold Packer fans up on their feet and yelling at Lambeau Field like a fight. Man, that was awesome yesterday. Uh, I, I don't know if, if that was a hit Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he was starting his slide. Uh, that's a call we've also uh, seen made, but I'm not going to get up in arms like I did. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that that's been uh, one of my many crusades on social media the last couple of tweets. I think I, I quoted my own tweet uh, from a week ago and said, hey, so, and I tweeted at the NFL, not that they're ever going to pay attention to it. Uh, so now that the NFL is done calling roughing the passer, can the Packers get that week two win back? Quoted it again yesterday. Still pertinent as apparently we're just done calling roughing the passer, which is fine. Uh, it would have been nice uh, if we could just grab that win back and the Packers could then be at this point six and seven and not five, seven and one and Packers five percent playoff odds. It's going to be close uh, if they have a couple of miracles down the stretch. And wouldn't it be wonderful if I get to get on this mic in WKTY in a couple of weeks and complain and piss and moan that the referees from week two are the reason that the Packers were held out of the playoffs. Of course, uh, one game does not a season make. But a fun complaint to have as Packer fans, nonetheless. Uh, speaking of complaining, if you, if you want to complain about anything uh, next coming up next year on the Wisco Sports Show. We're going to be talking differences that I saw yesterday. I noted a couple, and I think there are some that that stood out. I don't know if that's going to continue to be a trend uh, down the stretch. Like I said, I'm not falling. I think there's a honeymoon period with this team right now. And I don't think they look that much better, but they look good enough to win. They got some gifts from the Falcons yesterday as well, like they did from the the Cardinals last week. Another dome team, another warm weather team coming up to play in Lambeau on a cold Sunday afternoon. Uh, I want to talk about some of those differences I saw. Maybe maybe something jumped out to you as well. 608-796-2558. The five-star telecom talking text line is wide open, I promise. I'd love to have a conversation about what you saw yesterday. First game for interim head coach Joe Philbin. A lot of things jumped out to me. We're talking about that coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. Thirty-four to twenty, the Packers get the win over the Atlanta Falcons yesterday. First win under interim head coach Joe Philbin, and that's what we're talking about here on the Wisco Sports Show. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in to WK2I. Hope you're having a good night. Thanks for tuning in. Like I said, I noticed a couple differences yesterday between Mike McCarthy and Joe Philbin, and like I said in the first segment, I'm not necessarily falling for it. Last year when Jason Kidd was canned by the Bucks, I saw some differences right away between Joe Prunty and Jason Kidd. And then things kind of balanced out. That honeymoon period, so to speak, maybe came to an end a little bit. And uh, some action already on the five-star telecom talking text line. Nathan and Seneca calling in and said, yeah, I saw some uh, saw some differences, too. Some things jumped out. Nathan, what did you see yesterday from uh, from Joe Philbin? Uh, one of the first big notices I saw was uh, he kind of liked to go to the dump off right away, kind of get Rodgers going. Uh, not that an aging Rodgers played like we're used to yet, but kind of got him going with some more close dump-offs and screens and things of that nature. Um, 
Second, he used Aaron Jones a little bit more the way I'd like to see him use. He still didn't get the touches quite that I'd like to see, but a few more touches yesterday. Uh, I'd still like to see such an explosive home run hitting back like that to get scripted in more to the point where, because he can bust off a play at any time. He just needs the ball in his hands more often that McCarthy seemed to kind of go away from the run way too soon. Granted, the Packers got up late and the run was more available, but he still seemed to get the ball later in the game. Yeah, Nathan, did you Um, see... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say also just the fact of Williams starting again, I think that has to do with the offensive line issues again with the injuries and stuff of that nature with Williams being a much better blocker. But I'd just like to see Aaron Jones still get a little more touches early on, but we I think we all we we feel like Aaron Jones just needs to be used more, 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 more. And I agree. Jamal Williams getting the start and, and Nathan, thank you for the phone call on the five star telecom talking text line. It never seems like Aaron Jones touches the ball enough, you know? It just never seems like it. And he didn't start, he didn't get a touch in the first quarter yesterday, which was odd, I think. You know, Jamal Williams gets the start on the first series, and then Aaron Jones seriously didn't have a touch in the first quarter, which I think does seem like a huge injustice. He actually, as the game went on, started to progress, started to touch the ball a little bit more, and yesterday it worked out. That might not be the case next week or the week after. You know, you fall down in the first quarter, and all of a sudden you're looking back down 10 points or 14 points, and you're like, man, oh man, oh man. We didn't give Aaron Jones any touches, and now all of a sudden we're in a hole. You know, what might be different about this game had we just gone to Jones in the first place? I don't know the reticence to use Aaron Jones. I think Jamal Williams was used, like you said, to help out that offensive line, and that's something I want to get to here in a couple of minutes. But let's go back to the five-star telecom talking text line. Callers are chiming in. Differences between McCarthy and Joe Philbin. What did you see yesterday, caller? Uh, The one thing that really stuck out to me, Grant, was uh, the play clock. Um, I had actually tweeted out at one point that I never saw the play clock get below five. It was there was just a much different rhythm with the play coming in and Rogers' ability to make n- not even close to a delay a game um, that I saw. That you know when McCarthy was there it was like one, two, three seconds, you know, and I'm oh get yeah, the ball off, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> It never happened. No, yesterday I thought we saw a, a good sense of urgency, and, and I appreciate the phone call. Thank you. Uh, on the five-star telecom talking text line, that's something that I actually didn't have written down, and I'm glad that you drew attention to that because I do feel like there was a little bit more urgency from the Packers yesterday, and that was something I wasn't going to touch on, and, and it was nice, and I'm looking at the play clock at Lambeau Field yesterday, obviously up uh, behind each goalpost, and I'm counting, I'm trying to pay attention, because obviously when you're at a game, you you view a little bit differently. You you don't see the same details. You see some, th- some things you might not see on TV, but you miss out on a lot of things uh, when you don't have all that information readily available to you, and I'm trying to pay attention to the play clock, and, and they were snapping the ball with eight seconds left on the play clock, or ten seconds left on the play clock, and there were times they... they they took it all the way down, uh, but not very often. It was few and far between. And in the second half, when they did chose to bring it all the way down, they had timeouts to spare. I don't think they spent a timeout in the third quarter, and I might be wrong. But I remember at one point, they took a timeout at the end of the playcock, and I'm like, okay, you know, you're up a certain amount of points. It's it's third down, or it's, it's a crucial situation. Use a timeout there. That's okay. Using them in the first couple of minutes, or out of a timeout, or out of a, a TV timeout, I should say. Using a timeout because you're not ready to go. Off a dead ball, that's ridiculous. And that's something we didn't see a whole lot of yesterday. And maybe that was Joe Philbin in one week saying, all right, a couple of things we need to nip in the bud right away. 
and, and urgency is one of them, and, and that, I think, maybe made everything else on offense just a little bit easier when you know you're not up against the play clock each and every play. So thank you uh, for your point exactly. Uh, let's talk about, let's go back to what the previous caller said. Uh, Nathan was talking about using Jamal Williams early. Yesterday, sitting in Lambeau Field, you would not believe the people sitting around me, you know, what they had to say. Oh, Williams is out on the field, and, I'm, and I looked at Drew, who I'm at the game with, I say... Maybe it was McCarthy all along who was, who was telling the staff, we need to get Jones the ball on the rest of... And Joe Philbin is like, no, I want Jamal Williams. And here we are uh, criticizing the wrong guy. Joe Philbin was actually asked about it, both in his postgame presser and, and in some interviews today about why that was. And he had a couple reasons, and, and it actually made a lot of sense. He was concerned uh, about, A, getting Aaron Rodgers in a rhythm early, and B... Obviously, they're missing some starters on that offensive line. They're digging pretty deep. Anytime you have Jason Spriggs starting, Packers fans know this better than anyone, you need to be concerned about the pass rush a little bit and how you're going to protect Aaron Rodgers. And I think that was of a concern of Joe Philbin, and he said, all right, I, I know we were down a couple offensive linemen. Let's use Jamal Williams on the first series, and let's emphasize getting the ball out quickly. And we saw that. They scored down, uh, went down, scored a touchdown on their first drive. They obviously went three and out on their next possession. But I think that first drive was very telling that Joe Philbin might be... Type of coach to not overthink things. And I, and I really like that. I, sometimes I read comments on our Facebook posts for WKTY just to try to get a vibe of, of what people are saying. And a lot of what I see is the sentiment of get your best players on the field and get them the ball. And I think just playing through your best players or adjusting to your strengths, like commenters were asking for, get Devontae Adams the ball, get Aaron Jones the ball. You, you also have to play to your weaknesses, right? And you have to realize, okay, we're down a couple of offensive linemen. We're maybe down uh, a tight end. You know, maybe Aaron Rodgers is a little sore. We know he's not going to be as mobile this week. I need to adjust. I need to do something differently, right? Just like you need to adjust when you have success and you have playmakers and you want to get them the ball, you also need to adjust when you're maybe disadvantaged in places. And yesterday, I think Joe Philbin actually did a good amount of work on that, saying, all right, we're going to go with Jamal Williams on the opening series. We're going to focus protecting Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to get the ball out quickly. And I think that turned into some early success. And who knows if that translated uh, into the next couple of possessions because, like I said, the Packers did go three and out on their second possession. But maybe that early rhythm, that early success, getting down there, scoring a touchdown, mostly through the air uh, because Jamal Williams was the running back mostly being used in pass pro. Maybe that set them up for success later on in the game. You'll never know, obviously. Uh, we can only speculate, but I think that maybe played into it, and I think that's maybe what Joe Philbin was looking to do. 608-796-2558. Good action today on the five-star telecom talking text line so far. We're talking about differences, things that jumped out and maybe looked a little bit different this week under Joe Philbin than they had previously under Mike McCarthy. And we're obviously only one week into what will be a short four-week tenure for interim head coach Joe Philbin. But I think there's some takeaways. Number one was how he handled that first drive. And, and like I said, our Facebook commenters and our tweeters and our texters, callers all the time say, you need to get the ball to your best players. You need to highlight your best players. You need to scheme things to, to get the ball to your stars. Well, I think on the other side of that coin, you also need to scheme things up and placate to players you have that aren't so great. Like yesterday, we're missing offensive linemen. Make an adjustment and, and compensate a little bit. Where I feel as though with Mike McCarthy, and you never know if it's, McCarthy on an island, or if it's his staff doing this as a whole, of course, the head coach is always going to you know, hold the umbrella of blame over everyone else. But I will say that it seemed like McCarthy liked to bang his head into a wall at times. He was very stubborn, and we've heard that, obviously, from a lot of people. We're down three offensive linemen. All right, well, we're not going to change anything. you know. And we saw that in the Vikings game, right? Offensive linemen are dropping like flies. We don't go to the quick passing game. We don't bring in an extra running back or tight end to, to block or, or be in the backfield. We're just going to continue to do what we do, even though our personnel and our situation has changed. And that's something that I think Mike McCarthy did a really poor job of this year. 
and I should say his coaching staff as a whole because it's not a one-man job. But Joe Philbin, I think, went out of his way to say, we're down a couple offensive linemen, we're disadvantaged here, we're going to have to compensate. And he made some adjustments because of it. I thought that was really good, and I thought that was signs of a flexible coach who's willing to play with the cards he's dealt. Right? You know, in, in poker... Let's say this is probably going to be a horrible analogy, so strap yourself in. I'm not a great poker player, but you know, you got a couple cards. You know, you have you have a or cribbage would probably be a better example. Let's use cribbage. You got a couple of cards. You have a three and a two, and you have a king and a jack. And if anybody is really good at cribbage, you're going to laugh at what I'm about to say. But you, you wouldn't go cutting away a king or a jack. Because you have a two and a three and you're going to try to put a run together, right? You're going to, you're going to play to the hand that you have. You got some tens. You have a three and a two. Let's, let's try to make something happen with that. You're not all of a sudden going to get rid of those tens trying to get to 15 as you do in cribbage, right? And, and try to go for a hand that you just barely have a start with, right? You're not going to see one card and say, oh, let's play with that and cast everything else to the side. If you have a poor offensive line, you're not going to continue to try to do the things you would if your offensive line was healthy. And I know that's a horrible analogy. That's, that's terrible. <laughs> but if you play cribbage, maybe you understand a little bit. If you play poker, you understand. you got to play the cards that you're given, not the cards that you want. And I think Joe Philbin did a good job yesterday with that. And before I, I attempt to make another horrible analogy on air, let's take a really quick break. We'll come back and continue this conversation. And you can join in as well, 608-796-2558. Uh, and you can handle the analogies from now on. You're listening to WKTY Wisco Sports Show. We'll be back in a minute. Stay tuned. <laughs> Throw this out there too. It's Jones. And Jones trying to go all the way. Touchdown. Give that man the ball. Give that man the ball. You hear the announcer on Fox yesterday. This is the Wisco Sports Show, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. And we got callers so far on the five-star telecom talking text line saying, give Aaron Jones the ball. Now, it may be misleading. And I know he didn't get a touch in the first quarter, which is a horrible look. And, and I think if Joe Philbin could go back and do that again, he probably would. Aaron Jones had just around 20 catches yesterday. A couple receptions, including a check down that Lambeau Field was geeked about. It's, we needed a check down. Most, most fans hate those. Packer fans are dying for some check downs. Uh, got involved in some screen plays and in a couple other ways. He had around 20 touches, and I think that's, uh, that's about as much as you can ask for uh, going the rest of the way here. I don't, I don't think you can ask for 20 carries, 5 receptions. I mean, over 20 in today's NFL, especially with a running back, it's just not what they're going to do. So uh, yesterday I thought it was a good mix of Aaron Jones and, and a good balance. And well, let's start there. We're talking about how Joe Philbin uh, did things a little bit differently yesterday or appeared to do things differently in comparison to Mike McCarthy. One thing we talked about uh, was he's seeming to play with the hand that he has. He knew he was down on the offensive line. And because of that, he helped with Jamal Williams. He had the ball get out quickly. And to try to describe that, I gave an absolutely <laughs> a horrible cribbage analogy, which hopefully somebody out there understood, uh, but probably made no sense to most of Don't you. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. All right, well, that's just that's not necessary. But uh, but but thank you. Analogies aside, Joe Philbin did do a couple things differently yesterday, including, like I said, playing with the hand that he had. Something that I noticed is balance. He was very balanced on offense yesterday in terms of play calling. And I know that you can't take any of that too seriously because Aaron Rodgers switches things up at the line of scrimmage. Things get lost. You never know how many running plays and passing plays are actually dialed up when the whole sequence of play calling, when the engine is is first fired up. Because there's a long way to go from the time that engine starts, that play calling engine starts, to where you get down the road where the ball's actually snapped. Uh, and yesterday, there was an actual, a really good amount of balance. Now, not counting the kneel down at the end of the game, there were 32 passes and 24 runs. And I think that's that's about as good as you're going to ask for. 
out of this Green Bay Packers team. And yesterday was a was a perfect example of a day where you just had to run the ball. Matt Ryan obviously didn't have it. Falcons didn't have it. They gave a couple of gifts to the Green Bay Packers, including some penalties in the second half. Oh, uh, that pick six from Bashad Breland, which was uh, when was the last time we had a pick six? I don't even remember. A lot of fun, obviously, uh, and a feel-good play in in really in part of a feel-good win. They got some help from the Falcons yesterday. The, the Packers really didn't have to do a whole lot of uh, heavy lifting. They just basically didn't screw up, and that's how they, they won yesterday, and that included a lot of running the football. 24 runs, not counting the Deshaun Kaiser kneel down at the end. 32 passes, 24 runs. I, I feel like that's a good balance. I feel like that's a natural, healthy amount of runs to ask for to help out Aaron Rodgers, especially on a cold day where things were going their way. Matt Ryan didn't have it. The Falcons just weren't winning that game. So just run the clock out. Uh, and the 34-20 to final score really wasn't indicative. Uh, the Falcons jump out to a 7 nothing lead, and then the Packers rattle off 34 straight. Uh, and at one time, it was 34-7. Uh, the, the Falcons throw together some some garbage time scores and some fourth quarter action just to make the score a little bit more respectable. But 34-20 uh, to 20 really doesn't tell the whole story. And then running the game was a big part of that in the second half. Another thing that I, I noticed yesterday from Joe Philbin, and if you missed the start of the show on the Wisco Sports Show here today, I said this. And, and first of all, if you're joining us late, you want to check out the rest of the show, don't forget you can listen to these shows in full podcast form on our website, WK2iSports.com, whenever wherever you want. So even if you're missing out live, you can always go back and check it out. I started the show today by saying I'm not falling for it. I'm not falling for this honeymoon period that the Packers are probably going to have under an interim head coach. Just like I I was trying not to fall for it last year, but did a little bit when Jason Kidd got fired and Joe Prunty replaced him uh, on the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm just going to try not to fall for it. I'm not going to try to take any of this too seriously, but there were some details from yesterday's game that I definitely wanted to touch on. And we've had callers talking about uh, what they saw that was a little different. One thing that I noticed yesterday with balance, as we talked about, and another thing, it seemed that there were plays specifically designed, and Joe uh, Joe Philbin talked about this earlier today, which kind of confirmed my suspicion. There seemed to be plays where the message was, okay, on this play, we're getting the ball to Randall Cobb. On this play, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is getting a touch, and we want him to go here. You know, on this play, we're going to draw something up for Jimmy Graham, and he is our number one priority. We want to get him the ball. Right, We saw plays where it seemed as though there was a designed function within the play to get the ball to a specific player. And if you remember when they hired Mike Pettin, and the more we learned about Mike Pettin over the course of the summer and the beginning of the season, what Mike Pettin does, and if you've read the book Low Collision Crossers, which is about his time being a defensive coordinator under uh, under Rex Ryan in, in New York, you would know this. He likes one package or one scheme to feature one player. So everyone on that defense has a package or a scheme as limited or as you know, sparsely used as it may be, they have something designed for them. And Mike Pettin's reasoning is that's a good way to keep everyone engaged, have everyone, uh, I don't know, have a, have a meaningful approach to what they're doing, knowing that when this play gets called, it's me. You know, this is designed for me to have an opportunity to sack the quarterback or for me to sit down in the middle and spy the quarterback, maybe get a deflected pass, maybe get an interception, right? Mike Pettin likes to have a package or a scheme for every player so everyone's involved. Everyone feels as though they're a part of things. And I think Joe Philbin brought a little bit of that yesterday. Marquez Valdez-Scanling had a nice play up the the left sideline for a big gain. Uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams both had some designed plays, I thought. Devontae Adams, obviously, especially in the red zone where he has been so tremendous this year in those short yardage situations, his first step off the line of scrimmage is, is just really, really good. And I think Joe Philbin wanted to play off of that yesterday. That's new. He That was a position of strength he knew he could come from. I think yesterday, and we'll, we'll see if this extends past the honeymoon period, however long that lasts for this Green Bay team. I would imagine it will last as long as they win. Does Joe Philbin try to scheme a play here and there for different players? 
You know you want to get the ball to Devontae Adams. You know you want to get the ball to Aaron Jones, although they didn't yesterday in the first quarter. But you want a package or a scheme here and there, even you know as infrequently as you may use it, to get a player involved. Instead of saying, all right, Aaron Rodgers dropped back. There's five receivers out there. They're all running around. Find one. It's a little bit tougher, right? And you're asking a little bit more of your quarterback than if you're saying, all right, here's the play. The hot read, the hot route is MVS. He's going to be going up the far sideline and he's going to have blocking established. That's where we want to go with the ball. If that breaks down, then look elsewhere, right? That's a little bit more digestible. That's a little bit easier to handle if you are the quarterback. And we're always told quarterbacking in the NFL is one of the hardest things to do. And I believe it. You have to stand back there, pay attention to the protection, pay attention to the pass rush. And now all of a sudden be looking at a million things down the field. It all of a sudden becomes a little bit simpler when you're saying, all right, this play, you know, X, Y, Z, one, two, four. (laughs) Tell how much I played football and how many plays I've called is designed for Randall Cobb. Now he's going to be going on on a slant. It's a short yardage situation. We're just going to try to move the sticks and Randall Cobb is the hot read. He should be open based on how we set up our players. And that makes it easier for Aaron Rodgers. Now all of a sudden he doesn't have to be Superman. Now all of a sudden he doesn't have to have everything on his plate, which I think if you are the head coach or wanting to be head coach of this Green Bay job, which Joe Philbin, I'm sure, is approaching this like an audition for an interview that I imagine he will get, as Mark Murphy said. How can you take things off of Aaron Rodgers' plate? How can you make it easier for him? I think that's one of the biggest challenges that the Packers are going to have, and whoever the coach ends up being next year, that might be their number one task, is how do we make things easier for our quarterback? How do we not make him handle all the play calling, all the adjustments at the line of scrimmage, reading a hundred different reads down the field while dictating uh, the running game and dictating protection. No, we want to make it easier. And I think that's a good way. And I think Joe Philbin probably understands that we want to design certain plays to get certain players involved and, and make an obvious option. Give Aaron Rodgers an obvious parachute to pull for lack of a better analogy. When things start to hit the fan or when it's getting tough in the pocket, it's got pressure down his neck. This play's designed for that player. He'll be open. Go to him. And we saw that a couple of times yesterday. And I think that might be a little bit of a page out of the Mike Patton playbook. Another former head coach on the staff who maybe Joe Philbin has asked about. I don't know. I don't want to assume, but uh, that might be kind of a fun tidbit if that ended up being the case. Oh, the last thing I saw yesterday, and it's so small. It's so insignificant that it's almost funny. But I was so happy yesterday. And it almost makes me want to celebrate, to be honest. They had both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones in the backfield. They had more than one player in the backfield. Is every, Are you not ecstatic about this? <laughs> they actually not only used more than one running back in a series, but they used them on the same play, put them both in the backfield. How odd, man. Maybe we're just deprived of different looks and creativity. <laughs> that made me so happy yesterday. I looked to Drew Kelly, who's our newsman over at WIZM, our play-by-play man for UWL and in high school sports here on WKTY. And I said, wasn't that awesome, man? I got, I was geeked out that they had more than one running back. You, you have two great running backs. You say there's a place for both of them on the roster. Put them both in at the same time. I love that yesterday. I don't know if that was creative. I don't know if that was outside the box thinking. I just think it would be common knowledge to make the defense have to react and, and be prepared for two running backs on one play. I wouldn't think it's that crazy, but we finally saw it yesterday. I love that. I loved that. Just think of the Wisconsin Badgers. Back in the days where they had a good stable of running backs, all of which they said they believed in, obviously. Uh, I think it's a little bit different situation, but they would put more than one in the backfield, get one involved in a sweep, get one involved maybe deep in the eye, you split one out in the, in the flat. I don't know. There's a lot of different things to do. Uh, the numbers are, are get a lot higher and get near endless when you have two running backs in, on the field on the same play, that's for sure. 608-796-2558, uh, the five-star telecom tech, text line if you want to chime in on yesterday's game. 
a quick footnote before we uh, take a break and and look forward. I got some words for uh, one Matthew Scrady to wrap up the show today. So get look forward to that. Uh, it's going to be a fun little uh, a fun little message I have for our lovable morning show host. Uh, so you can expect that here in about 10 minutes. I did want to mention Aaron Rodgers because I, I thought a lot of people talked about how he looked better yesterday, how he looked different. I didn't really think he did. I said last week here on the Wisco Sports Show that if Aaron Rodgers goes out and he throws for 400 yards and a bunch of touchdowns and he looks like a different quarterback, that I would almost be a little bit disappointed because I don't think it was just Mike McCarthy. I do think Aaron Rodgers is having a a clunky year and it's going to need some adjustment in the offseason. Now, the relationship and and I think the stale the stalemate that had happened between McCarthy and Rodgers didn't help, but it, something's up with Aaron Rodgers too and that's going to need to be adjusted and corrected, even if it's just a, a nagging injury. I don't think he was that much better yesterday. I, I thought there were some plays, including a, a play on third and long, where he stepped up into his throat at Vontae Adams and hit him in the middle of his zone coverage for the first down. And I was like, we need more of that. We more of Aaron Rodgers just sitting in the pocket, going through his reads off a five or seven step drop, and then boom, stepping up and delivering to the open receiver when it was designed for him to come open. And we did see that yesterday, but we also saw Aaron Rodgers go 21 to 32 with a couple throwaways. It's about 65%. That's not great. That's not great. Now, he didn't throw any interceptions yesterday, which has become the caveat to every Aaron Rodgers performance ever on whether it was good or bad. There were a couple that were dropped. That'll happen. That happens in just about every game. But 21 to 32, a buck 96, which isn't. That great. I mean, Matt Ryan threw for 262, and he looked horrible yesterday. Now, I know a lot of that coming in garbage time. Uh, and and two touchdowns to boot for Aaron Rodgers, one to Randall Cobb, and, and one to Devontae Adams on the first possession. I thought Aaron Rodgers looked like a little bit smarter quarterback yesterday. I thought he he actually looked a little bit more escapable in the pocket. He did step up and step away, which, you know, it didn't exactly look like he had the speed or the, the strength to do anymore at points at this season. And yesterday, I think he maybe showed that he could still get out. He could still run. He could still be elusive. Uh, and we saw that two ran for a couple of first downs, but 21 to 32 for 196 is not great. He averaged, I believe, just around six yards an attempt, which is which is nothing special. Uh, it's nothing near career highs. So uh, we're going to keep here's what we're going to do here on the Wisco Sports Show the rest of the season. We're going to keep up on Aaron Rodgers watch right every week. We're going to talk about is he getting better now that Mike McCarthy is gone? Does he look different or does it look much of the same? And I thought. He looked better in certain regards, in certain aspects, and then I still think there were a couple things that needed to be changed. I didn't see him absolutely whiff on throws yesterday. He wasn't throwing balls into the ground. He wasn't doing this or that. The throws that he missed, the incompletions, I think were just on the wrong page with the receiver. Thought the receiver was going to do one thing, and he did another, or he threw it out of bounds, which I guess is a step in the right direction. He's not out there throwing balls into the ground, so we can lean on that. So we're going to continue Aaron Rodgers' watch here on the Wisco Sports Show the final three weeks and, and see which way this quarterback is trending because he is up there in age. Obviously, he's on a couple contracts now, and that's going to be a question mark going into the offseason. Is Aaron Rodgers just getting older, or is it going to need a coach to come in and strip down and work on his mechanics because they have not been good? So we're going to keep up that watch. Uh, when we come back here on the Wisco Sports Show, final segment on the way. And uh, yesterday, there were obviously many games played in the NFL, but one that jumped out in particular, an NFC East matchup with a former Packer involved. Now, obviously here, I'm, I'm talking about HaHa Clinton-Dix. I'm, I'm not trying to bury the lead. Uh, Washington got killed yesterday by the Giants, who were without Odell Beckham. Got killed. We're down 40-0 to zero at one point. I just want a message <clears throat> to our morning show, Mr. Matthew P. Scrady, about this haha Clinton Dix situation, which has been ongoing since the trade deadline. Obviously, I love Scrady. He's one of the reasons that I get to do this show every day. 
I just got a message for him. Scrady, if you're out there and you're listening, first of all, thanks for listening. Second of all, I love you, but we got to talk about your social media activities regarding the traded Packers safety, who is now in Washington. Coming up here to wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. A lot of really good Packers talk today. So thank you for everyone who's getting involved on the five-star telecom talk and text line. I really appreciate it. And uh, and it's not just it's not just fodder. I like hearing from you guys. I like hearing your points. I like hearing your takes on this Packers uh, win over the Atlanta Falcons because it helps me. It helps me put these pieces together on exactly what Packers fans are thinking and, and, and where they're going the next couple of weeks and what Packers fans want. That being said, before we uh, close up the show with a message to our morning show, Matt Scrady, because I got to talk to him uh, and I won't be talking to him per se. I will be more so putting out an announcement and a uh, some words towards Scrady. Unfortunately, we don't have him in today. How much fun would that be? Uh, we, let's go back to the five-star telecom talking text line. 608-796-2558. Bill in lacrosse, man. Bill, you waited until the end. You saved the best for last. What do you got to say about this Green Bay Packers win over Atlanta? Well, first of all, any message to Scrady better be in short sentences and short words so he understands what you're talking about. Uh, you know, as far as the Packer win, I, you know, I don't know whether they accept this as these guys getting the kick in the butt that they deserved, or if it's, uh, or you know, or if it's just catching a catching a, a bad Atlanta team at just the right time. One thing I've noticed uh, the last couple of years is you don't see as many back shoulder passes as he used to from Rodgers. Uh, I mean, that used to be his bread and butter for a long time. And uh, and I'm still not that high on the offensive line. Granted, it was patchwork yesterday, and they gave up, I think they gave up more sacks than they should have. But still, I mean, they, they did open up the holes for the running game when they needed it, too. So I'm still kind of on the fence on whether this is a good thing or a bad thing yet. That's that's how I feel. I'm confused now. You're not, are you actively cheering against the Packers for better draft picks, oh, or are you just no. okay? No, 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 no. Okay, I want them to win. I want I want this to play out. Heck yeah! Well, that's the only way you're going to learn, right? And and that's how I feel. You got to let it play out. And and thank you, Bill, for uh for uh for letting me know because I don't know. I I, I don't know what people think about this Packers team right now. It's hard to believe that anybody would actively cheer against their team. It would be more of an afterthought if they lose. Like, well, at least we can look forward to the draft. At least, you know, thinking more of that way, not actively cheering against your team. That's ridiculous. I do like your thoughts on the offensive line. Yesterday, they were patchwork. I thought they were a lot better in the second half. Um, and part of that was just due to the fact they were running the ball more. I don't think you can read too much into that. But the, uh, the offensive line is going to be a big topic of conversation moving forward, especially after this season. And you know what, Bill? I, I do also appreciate the... Uh, I don't even know what to call it. The rip on Matt Scrady. Uh, and, and obviously, he joined the show last week to talk about his Vikings, which will play Seattle tonight. Um, unfortunately, not here on WKTY because we're going to bring you Bucks action. They got a huge win against Toronto, the number one team in the East this weekend. Uh, and, and Matt Scrady, love him to death. He allows me to fill in for his spot when he's gone in the mornings. And, and a big reason why I was originally uh, able to start working here on WKTY and, and in doing things like work on this show and have this show. Uh, but those of you who follow Scrady, on uh, on social media, whether Facebook or Twitter or both, uh, you'll see that he likes to talk about Haha Clinton Dix. Now, Scrady's obviously a Vikings fan, and and one of the things that Scrady has beef with, and I totally get it. I try not to be a Packers radio host from this angle because you do hear them out there, and, and it, it does get kind of obnoxious. Where the Packers make a move, 
whether it's a trade or a draft pick or a, or a staffing decision with a coach or a front office member. And what Packers fans will do is they will come out and blindly defend the move, saying the Green Bay Packers know what they're doing. Their word should be taken as gospel. There's no need to second guess anything because they're smarter, more historyed, and better than any other franchise. And I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to blindly defend my team and what they do. Like when they fired Mike McCarthy or traded HaHa Clinton Dix. I was not saying, oh, they'll be better without him. He was a locker room cancer and he doesn't fit into the green and gold tradition and he needs to go. That's not what I was saying. I remember at the time when they traded HaHa Clinton Dix that, uh, that I said, I don't think they're going to get much worse. And they're not going to be stuck losing him for nothing or paying him what I believed at the time to be an upcoming over-deserved payday with a big contract. Now, when they traded him, he was the second best safety, according to Pro Football Focus in the league, which Pro Football Focus is one thing. They do have a couple of numbers, uh, but you got to take it in stride with everything else. It's only one piece of the pie. Now, since Ahakland Dix has been traded to Washington, and part of this is due to the quarterback situation as well, but Washington had a pretty good defense. They have a good, tough defensive front and a good secondary. DJ Swearinger, one of the best safeties in the league, and they thought, all right, we'll get Ahakland Dix, we'll bring him in here, and we'll go for broke. The NFC East looks pretty weak this year. Maybe we can get into the playoffs, and we'll try to double down on our safety depth next to DJ Swearinger. Well, that hasn't exactly panned out. Ahakland Dix... What's funny, and, and Packer fans, look, I'm not poking fun at HaHa Clinton Dix. I'm not trying to rib him and say, I told you so. It's not what I'm saying. Matt Grady has been on social media saying, you know, the Packers miss HaHa Clinton Dix here. You know, he would have made this play. He would have made this play. What have you. Just bringing it up, you know, stoking the fire a little bit of Packers fandom, and I'm all about it. Yesterday at his press conference, Washington head coach Jay Gruden would not commit to starting HaHa Clinton Dix as a safety next week. Wouldn't commit to starting him when asked because he has been pretty poor. If you watch highlights, which there were plenty of yesterday of the Giants of Saquon Barkley running hog wild all over the secondary for these big gashing runs. Hawkland Dix is in a lot of those highlights, just slow, bad angle, missed tackle, avoiding contact. A lot of the things we saw earlier this year from the Packers. It, it, it does not give me pleasure to talk about this. I'm just saying it looks like the Packers thinking in terms of, well, we're going to lose him for nothing anyways. Let's trade him. Maybe we get a little bit worse, but I don't think there's going to be a huge drop-off, which has turned out to be the case. The Packers' defense has just kind of stayed in flux where it was, and they got a fourth-round pick back out of it. I think it was the right football move at the time to trade him. I'm, I'm 100% behind that. He doesn't look like the physical safety. He doesn't look like the nasty tackler and hitter that he was when he was getting Pro Bowl votes and, and when he was you know the class of the league in terms of the safety position. You know, getting in those top 100s as voted by the players. He's not that guy anymore. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened to HaHa Clinton Dix. And Packers fans, if you want some entertainment, because it is really funny, if you're on Twitter, first of all, follow me at KeystrokerGrant, because I'd love to hear from you. Love to see your tweets. Love to see what's going on. Uh, whether when you're listening to the Wisco Sports Show or when you're not. Go into your search, I don't know, bar. Click in the search bar and just type in HaHa Clinton Dix. Don't search him. Don't search his profile. Just type in HaHa Clinton Dix. And Twitter will bring up all the tweets that are about the, the uh, Washington safety. They're funny, man. They, they're funny. Like, I, I don't want to poke fun at the situation. I don't want to poke fun at Hawkland Dix. It's not a personal thing. Washington fans aren't exactly happy about this. And it's, it's kind of funny because they're saying a lot of the same things the Packers fans were saying the weeks leading up to his trade at the deadline. I'm not saying the Packers... What they say is gospel. I'm not saying that they're always right because they're the best franchise. I'm just saying I think they got that trade right. I think they knew that they had a ceiling on defense, that they weren't going to win championships because of their defense. The only way they would get things rolling and win games and get into the playoffs was if their offense came around, which hasn't exactly happened. Looked pretty good yesterday at home, you know, in a comfortable situation. But their defense wasn't going to get much worse, much better. So they said, you know what? Let's plan a little bit for the future. Ship this guy off because he hasn't looked amazing. 
Uh, and then we don't have to lose him for nothing. And I think Washington is now figuring out exactly why Green Bay wasn't super high on the player that they drafted. And you know what's funny is the ma- the national media reaction, which is what we talked about around the trade deadline, whether it's people on ESPN or, or Fox or what have you, saying typical Packers trading away one of their best players, not giving Aaron Rodgers any help. I, I, I think they missed on this one. I know it's easy to look at the pro football focus numbers, to look at the interception numbers, which you cannot look at in a vacuum. You need to look at everything around the player and the situation and the defense that he's on. I think I think a lot of people got this one wrong. It just doesn't look very good. I wasn't saying he was a locker room cancer. I'm not saying he was a garbage player. I'm just saying he wasn't going to be worth the contract that the Packers were going to need to pay him to keep him. So trade him early. Fourth round pick, and they'll have a little bit of extra draft capital come April. Don't forget, the Milwaukee Bucks are getting underway. They host the Cleveland Cavaliers at home tonight on WKTY. Here in just a couple of uh, just a couple of minutes, half hour or so, they'll be taking over. Uh, Monday Night Football tonight, the Seahawks and the Vikings. I'm cheering for the Seahawks. I don't care if the Packers are going to miss the playoffs. I want the Vikings to be right by their side going home early. So hopefully that can be the case. If you're a Vikings fan, uh, enjoy the game tonight. I cannot wait to be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Talking more Packers. Talk a little Bucks. A little bit of other things as well. Can't wait. Talk to you then.